I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, the title of my sermon this morning is The Art of Regifting. As it turns out, there's quite a debate out there in the ether about where the term regifting originated. There are lots of people who had never heard of the concept until they were introduced to it on an episode of Seinfeld, and they think Jerry Seinfeld in invented the concept. But I'm here to tell you, Jerry Seinfeld was a new comic on stand-up shows in the wee hours of Sunday mornings the first time that I saw someone re-gift and refer to it that way. Regifting has been around a lot longer than Jerry Seinfeld. For those of you who don't know exactly what I'm talking about, regifting is pretty much exactly what it sounds like it is. It occurs when person A is given a gift by person B that A does not like or cannot use. Person A then puts that gift in his or her home for unwanted gifts and waits. The next time a birthday or Christmas rolls around, person A looks through the home for unwanted gifts and decides to give person C the unwanted gift. Regiving this way is fraught with danger. I have seen person A forget that person B gave them the regifted gift and person B got it back. That's a big oops. And I've seen person A give person C the regifted gift in front of person B, and that's also a big oops. And I've even seen one pathetic little potpourri covered deer shaped Christmas decoration that actually got regifted from person B to person A in the second year, given to person C in the third year, and then regifted to person B again in the fourth year. And by this time, all the scent was gone and the potpourri had worn bare in a few patches. Sometimes there has to be an end to regifting. Seriously. And then there's the dark side of regifting that is more than just embarrassing. It's the side that's not really generous or thoughtful or joyful. This is the side that thinks, oh darn, I've got to give this person a gift. Let me look for the, through the home for unwanted gifts and find something, anything to give them. In those cases, the gift says nothing about your relationship with that person or the other person's interests, likes or dislikes. It is a gift that plugs a hole but requires little thought or time or effort on the part of the giver. It is a gift without self-giving in time or love or thought or joy. It meets the obligation with the barest minimum of effort and personal investment, and that's the core of it, gift giving as an obligation. No one likes to give a gift that is just an obligation, and no one really likes to receive one either. That's why there's a home for unwanted gifts in the first place. There is no heart in this kind of regifting. There's nothing about it that can be called generous. Now, think about the times that you've given a gift to someone you really love. A gift that is something the other person desired. A gift that spoke to who he or she is, the hobbies, the interests, the aspirations, whatever makes that person special. Those sorts of gifts are always a gift of yourself, 
a way of not holding anything back and of showing your investment in the relationship. Do you remember how excited you were? How you couldn't wait to give your gift? Do you remember how great it felt that you to know that you were able to give something that expressed your love and appreciation of that other person? Do you remember how excited you were to see that other person open your gift? Isn't that the most wonderful feeling? That's truly when it is better to give than to receive. Because even the pleasure of the recipient cannot match the giver's feeling of delight in having found that perfect gift. Now, would, would I surprise you if I told you that the Lord regards you with that same sense of delighted anticipation, that every day the Lord looks at you, the one that he made in the image of God, into whom he breathed life and who stained, sustains your life, every day the Lord looks at you with anticipation and wonders what you'll make of the gift of this day that you have been given. It doesn't matter what yesterday was like. Today is a new gift. God is so generous with us, so generous with forgiveness and with love, generous with God's very Son, who came to free us from our bondage to sin and eternal death, and who fills us with his very own spirit to guide and support us. Generosity, unstinting giving, is at the very heart of God, and it is made real for us in Christ Jesus. Just think about it for a minute. The Lord that we believe created heaven and earth did not create the universe because he needed to. God was not incomplete without planets and stars and dinosaurs and people. God is creator because the love that poured out of God created more things for God to love. It was an act of pure, overflowing generosity and great joy. Human beings were created in the image of God so that we might know God and love God back. And so that in loving one another, we might know a little bit of the love that God feels for us. What an incredible act of generosity. God created us and gave us to ourselves that we might give ourselves to God and to one another. And if we bear the image of a generous God, then that means that we have been created to be generous and giving. What has all of that got to do with stewardship? Well, first of all, we should be clear about what stewardship really means, or at least what it should mean. These days, we tend to think it's the church's code word for we need more money. But stewardship used to be so much more, about so much more than that. A steward was responsible for the estate in the absence of an owner. The biblical image of a good steward is one who takes care of the land so that it continued to produce, so that he manages the crops. He sees that the animals and the people on the estate are fed and sheltered. He's treated when they are ill or injured. And he manages the household as well as its finances. In short, everything about the community and its environment are the steward's concern. The ideal steward was to be a stand-in for the Lord, and the same virtues, integrity, and faithfulness as the ideal Lord were to be his. 
Human beings, Genesis tells us, were created to be stewards of God's creation. Our stewardship involves everything that we are. Our virtues, our talent, our work, all of our lives are to be lived as though we are stand-ins for the Lord. That means stewardship involves our relationships with family as well as with others. Our care for the creation that surrounds us, animal, vegetable, and mineral, the management of our households, our occupations. In short, everything we do, we do as a steward of the Lord. Our Lord is generous and pours forth out the gift of our lives to us every single day and then waits to see what we will do with it. Imagine, instead of going to the closet of unwanted gifts and rummaging around for the spare time, the spare change, or the spare talents that you can give to God to fulfill your obligation, you looked back at the Lord regarding you with love when the gift of each day is given and asked, what gift can I give you, my beloved? for all the gifts you have given me. That would be the perfect sort of regifting. In your prayers this week, as you pray about the ways that you can support the work of the Lord here at Good Shepherd, ask the Lord to show you what gifts you can give that will delight him. What talents do you have which can be given back for the work of the Lord? How can you be more present to the Lord in your weekday life and here at Good Shepherd in worship and work and prayer? And yes, how can you support the work of the Lord in this place financially? Human beings were created to be givers, to re-gift to the world the gifts that they are given through the abundant generosity of God. Giving with a joyful generosity is one of the ways that we grow into the image of God who made us. And I can promise you that when you approach the gift of God that way, with all your life in your hands to re-gift to him, you will be less stressed and more joyful. Think about that perfect gift for someone you love. Now imagine that you would like to give God that perfect gift. How would it feel to have that great sense of anticipation and delight about what you are to give to God. This is the true gift of regifting. In regifting to God the gifts we have been given, we give the Lord what He most desires and delights in. You know, in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer, we had a lovely summary of this at the offertory. All things come of Thee, O Lord. And of thine own have we given thee. What will you re-gift to the Lord God this year? Amen.